Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Hey, welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day, one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Dave. And I'm your other host, Sean. And joining us today, once again, our special guest all the way from Flash Gordon Minute, it's Eric. Hi, great to be back one more time. Yeah, all right, we are glad to have you on, because today we're talking about Minute 79. Sean, give me the summary. Oh, it's a good one. Minute 79 begins with Phil's piano lessons, and we see a great improvement in his technique and style. He makes some uh, warm, comforting time with an old friend on the street. And then he, later in the day, runs into someone else in an alley. Okay. So a lot so, going yeah. on. Yeah, so, yeah, as we, as we were pointing out yesterday, we wanted to hit, hold any other piano minutes for now. So we, we do see an improvement, which is, which is good. Like, that means not just one day, but multiple days have passed. If not, I don't know, maybe a month? I mean, this, this sounds pretty advanced, this song. Well, I yes. love uh, I, I love how uh, the piano. His, my father was a piano mover, so <laughs> that immediately made me think of in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Spicoli's riding in the car with the other guy. They crash the car, and the guy says, "How? Oh my! You know, my, my brother's gonna kill us. It's my brother's car's gonna kill us." And Spicoli says, "His dad's a TV repair man and has an awesome set of his tools. And because of that, <laughs> he'll be able to fix the car. He'll be able and to so fix the car. You know, there's just there's no connection at all to his dad having a good toolkit and Spicoli fixing the car. There's really no connection to your father being a piano mover and you being able to actually play the piano. That's just that's immediately what I thought of." <laughs> I like that comparison. That's good. Yeah, I like to think he that he has to try out different days. He he tries out different lines. <laughs> he knows she's going to ask that question, mm-hmm. so he tries different one liners each time to see like what 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 does she buy. <laughs> and the piano movie works well. Right. So how long did does it take for him to get good enough? Where she's asking, you know, oh, is you know, are you sure this isn't you know, are you sure this is your first lesson? I'm guessing it like it takes at least a couple weeks. Oh, I was gonna think a couple of months. I would think for this level, I would say yeah, maybe I would say maybe a month. Because here's the other question: is since I'm going by the edit that it's in consecutive order, mm-hmm. he switches. Is he switching between? Is he doing like on the maybe I'll do three days of ice sculpting practice, three days Ooh. of piano practice? So it's hard to tell. Is that like a lot of time technically might have passed? And so he gets a little rusty because he, he's gone like, uh, you know, he's gone maybe a week where he's only focused on ice carving because he wanted to get the angel wings right. So he kind of goes like, um, uh, and he's just, you know, tapping on the keys. He's, getting, he's trying to get warmed up again. So it takes him a, like a, a kind of a week to get. Cause that's the thing is like, how is he, how do you balance that? If you're trying over oh, in the same timeline, ice sculpting and piano, both are going to take a, a great amount of learning and become really good at it right well yeah one of the things i was wondering is do you think he practices other than the time that he spends with the teacher is there a piano somewhere else in this town that where he can just kind of sit and practice on his own i was gonna say does the baby does the inn have a piano Looks mm-hmm. like it could have one, right? We we toss that around that that Mrs. Lancaster maybe have a has a small piano, like something you would see, like would it be like you know the upright pianos like against yes. the wall somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I I think yeah. she would have one of them. I feel like Mrs. Lancaster 
Because I feel like that house being so old, her family's house, that was like the form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Everyone came into like the sitting room and, you know, and then they opened up the piano and they all sang a song. So, yes, I believe that definitely between her phonograph, there's got to be a piano in that house. So you're right. He probably is Mrs. Lancaster and you're right. He probably, you know, depending on how, because you're right. He's, he's all about making the most out of the day. So if he doesn't, you know, he saves time walking over and, you know, doing the money thing. Because you've got to go to the ATM to get $1,000. Phil doesn't have $1,000 in his pocket. So he knows that when he when he says, i got to give you $1,000, you know, he had to go to the bank. He had to probably get in line because you got all these people. Because the amount of people coming into the town, and we're, ta- we're talking early 90s, there's not going to be a lot of credit card machines. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of people probably going to the bank to get some easy deposits to go get breakfast and... Go buy some uh, new Punks Tawny shirts. So he has to get in line at the bank. So yeah, he knows all the time he'll be wasting to get to achieve these small goals. So he goes and he uses Mrs. Lancaster's piano on days where he's practicing, and then he goes back to her to you know get a critique on that. That's how I see it as. All right, I like that. Like yeah, because Mrs. Lancaster's probably not going to bother him, and she's probably not skilled enough to like critique his piano playing. Maybe someone in the out in that house may know a little bit more, but I'm assuming that he, he would just kind of be in the room and he could just have hours on end to do it, and then he goes back to her and he asks a new question about oh how do we do this song and then he you know works that again yeah yeah now so interesting note on this on this particular minute okay. and and the previous uh, minute as well that this is actual Bill Murray playing. And, and and the hands we see and this this is not a hand double. This is Bill Murray's hand playing that he actually he learned how to play. Now this is the last that we see of Bill play. He learned to play this well, and then later on he'll get Phil gets much better, and then they, it's it's not Bill Murray actually playing. But he did he learned a little bit of piano that like the um, I guess the scales or arpeggios we heard in the previous piano scene. And then at least at least according to Ramus in the director's commentary on the Blu-ray, that this scene, this is all Bill Murray um, learning, you know, learning to play this little piece um, and playing piano here. So, you know, he's kind of getting into it. Okay, so th- this is hysterical because I have the note that due to Bill Murray's uh, well-known facial complexion issues, shall we say, mm-hmm. that they should have found... A hand double with worst-looking hands to match Bill Murray's complexion. And you are now telling me those actually are Bill Murray's hands. You think the hands look too good? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of looked. I, I don't I don't know if we get a good look at his hands other than this scene. But, yeah, at least according to Harold Ramis. And, you know, he's a, a joker. Maybe he right. was kidding. True. And maybe I got suckered in. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, according to Ramis, that this is, this is what we hear. This is actual... Bill playing, and that those hands, those are Bill Murray's hands. And maybe it's just, yeah. Well, and usually it's the other, his hands look, they do look pretty good. They look pretty smooth. Yeah. yeah they look very smooth. It's right. Usually it's the other way around. Now that, you know, we're in the 21st century and we've got like high def 4K TVs, a lot of times like in talk shows, the, you look at the, the host's face and it's made up and it looks nice. And then you look at their hands and it's not so nice because they don't have makeup. But yeah. as I say, you think they make up his hands? Like maybe yeah, they are a little rough. Maybe because like yeah, yeah he, he's like all right for my close up. Give me give me some more makeup on the hands. Yeah, 
Well, and it's... Yeah. And I kind of would have thought his hands would be a little bit hairier than they are. There's some hair sneaking out under the collars. Yeah. Yeah, there's some arm hair, but like the fingers and the hand and everything, they look very smooth. Yeah, maybe like, you know. Yeah, maybe just had some makeup done for the for the close-up. <laughs> so, um... No, I just wanted... Uh, my next note was about this. So, yeah, around... So, after he... You know, he was able to get by on... On, uh... On, on having uh, a piano mover as my father, as <laughs> yeah. the line. Um, we... Cut, yeah, 20 seconds in, we have him on the town... So he's on the northern edge. He's not in his usual spot walking into town. He is at the. He's at the. Um... Yeah. Oh, but wait. Before we leave the piano. Oh, oh sure. Yeah. I, let's see. Um, I just got. I just want to note that you know what we're hearing here. It's the. Um, this is the 18th variation from a Rhapsody on a theme of Paganini, um, for the for the folks that are following along at home. And this is, um, actually, so it's uh, written by. Uh, Sergei Rachmaninoff um, wrote the, you know, Rhapsody on a Theme of Paganini. I'm not familiar with him. Is he uh, Russian? Yeah, I don't know. Going by the name. Though it's weird. So so this is kind of all over the place. So um, so this was, so Rachmaninoff wrote this in Switzerland, but came to the U.S. The, the first performance was in November 1934, at the Lyric Opera House in Baltimore, Maryland. And this is, um, it's a piece written for solo piano uh, accompanied by an orchestra. And Rachmaninoff himself played the piano with the Philadelphia Orchestra at that performance. And then uh, about a month and a half later, in December 1934, again, Rachmaninoff on piano uh, accompanied by the Philadelphia Orchestra made the first recording of this particular piece. And that was in Camden, New Jersey at the old, uh, RCA Victor's Trinity church studio in Camden, New Jersey was, uh, where the first recording of this particular composition was done. And, uh, just, I I thought it was interesting. A a couple other places you may recognize this from, uh, somewhere in time, the 1980 Christopher, Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour film, uh, featured this particular piece of music and it was also in Ronin, the 1998 uh, Robert De Niro, Jean Renault film. So you may have heard it there as well as, of course, 1993 classic Groundhog Day. Um, so it's it's kind of a popular a piece. It's been, you know, shows up in pop culture, pop culture from from time to time. So, yeah, just a little bit of a uh, little bit of music trivia. For uh, for our our budding Solieri's out there in the audience, <laughs> um, but yeah, then back on the street, like like Dave was saying before I uh, interrupted, Phil is not coming around his usual corner. This is after the broadcast. Uh, uh, this must be. I don't know. We don't know where he's going because it's hard to tell. But I believe this is at, it's it's I say it's early morning. After mm-hmm. the broadcast, because the amount of people like in the street, rather, than, I feel like they're all everyone's going their own ways now. Now the the the, the, the groundhog right. is you know giving his proclamation. So yeah, he's on the northern edge. We have the city hall behind him, Punxsutawney Mall. He's walking toward essentially where if we're looking at him behind us, yeah, is the is the hotel. Mm-hmm. So he's 
afterwards walking to the hotel. So this might be the another point where he has run into uh, Phil, uh, or he's uh, he's Phil running to Ned, <laughs> Ned, calling him Phil, our old buddy Ned. That uh, again, another. Uh, this is a week of reunions. Another pal of ours that we haven't seen. And this is really kind of flipped all around because usually we're used to seeing it's, and I know this isn't the same spot where they where they met previously, but usually it's Phil's on the sidewalk and it's Ned who's crossing the street coming up to, coming up to Phil. They flip that's the script. A, that's a good question. So how, yeah, how, how Ned approaches him at that angle Maybe because did you say that I don't know if there was delete scenes, but did you say it was an early draft where he was doing business at the hotel? Um, it didn't. There, there was a, there's a deleted scene where we see Phil or we see Ned like in a room or in an office, but I don't. I, like we kind of we kind of suppose it might be a room in the hotel. We weren't sure where it was. The script okay. actually doesn't say. It's just a, an office somewhere. So I'm yeah. thinking that's where he was coming from. Then I'm guessing because. The angle he's coming yeah. at is not the angle of where we last, not close at all of where mm-hmm. we. This is the other side of the of the of the area where we saw um, we saw Ned. Right. Because right. the direction Ned was coming from, it's hard to describe it. Because I'm I, even if I use the map, it's hard for me to let the the thing. Know. But the, 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 long story short, the listener, like where they were, is like the other side of the center of town. So for Ned to like be here to meet Phil, not only is this later in the day, he had to go to another place to do more insurance selling. So this is like another stop. This isn't toward like in, you know this isn't related to where he ever was moving earlier in the day. Right, and then also the 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 supposition must be that Phil and Ned did not run into each other at the usual spot before. Good point. The broadcast. Because they're like, yeah. oh, hey, twice in one day kind of thing. No, it's, hey, Phil. I, yeah, yeah, I think, I, I, I said, I mean, it's hard to tell because I don't want to use real Woodstock, Illinois as a, as a go point. But I do think there's other cross sections and other things that, like, Phil would walk. And I think that's what also would excite Phil is taking these other routes into the center of town um, to enjoy the different sites, not just the same streets, you know. And get bored. Mm-hmm. Like, take different ones and kind of, like, see something new each time, you know. Look at someone's house and go, oh, wow, it's a really nice house. And, you know, just kind of admire certain little details. And then maybe poop in their house. I always like <laughs> Poop in their house. Yeah. So here's, here's, a, here's a question. I'll throw this out over to, uh, well, Eric and, and Dave, you can chime in as well. But is this, we, we've talked about Phil being sincere. Is Phil being sincere here? Or is this just... You know, is this just a different way of getting rid of Ned? Oh, he's messing with him. There's no way this is sincere. He's totally messing with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not ready. Like, Phil may be nicer right now to people, but yeah. he's not ready to buy to, to buy insurance. I think he's he's using these days for real improvement on abilities. And mm-hmm. it's like, he's like, look, I he probably is putting this off. He's like, I, one day I'm going to sit down with Ned and I'm going to listen to everything he talks with an honest. I'm going to listen to every sales pitch he gives me, and I'm actually going to. I'm going to have a real conversation with Ned, but not today. But, but not that day is not today. It's like it's like uh, in Pee Wee Herman when he runs into the 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 animal store, the mm-hmm. pet store that's on fire. <laughs> Ned is like that sna- the snake. He's snakes. the snakes. He's like, yeah. um, I'm going to say I'll save the gerbils. I'll save the groundhog. I'll save. Uh, 
I'll save the other uh, the dogs and cats. Yeah, and, uh, the monkeys. The monkeys, yeah. <laughs> save the snake for last. Um, and then, yeah, so where they're meeting, this is next to, this is right next to the hotel. This is another, as I said, I was, I was very excited. This is another eating establishment uh, that I don't know what it is, but that's clearly a waitress inside, and those are booths that she's taking an order from. Established 1919. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is this... I think this is the... I don't know, was it the sweet, sweet shop where they were getting fudge and white chocolate? Oh, I... You know, I don't know if the the wallpaper's right, but you're definitely right. The wallpaper definitely gives this vibe that it's an ice cream parlor. Yeah. It's like a soda shop. Hmm. That Hold would on. be my guess. All right, give me a hot second. I'm going to I'm going to just peruse. I want to peruse the minute. All right. Well, while 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 Dave's perusing, I'll just throw out a little going back to our well, going back to the screenplay, but no voiceover this time. No, it's this is this is a safe flashback. Um so the original screenplay and uh was it the original? Um sorry, no, not the original. Or well, any screenplay has uh, this the first part of, of Phil's line here. The I have missed you so much in the embrace. That is in the the script. What what Phil says next is actually improv. A line that Bill came up with on the set. Um, the uh, I don't know where you're headed, but can you call in sick? That's actually yeah. That's actually Bill Murray just came up with that. Originally, Phil's supposed to say I've missed you so much. Uh, give big, give uh, Ned a big hug and hold on to him, and it, it's a, you know for an uncomfortably long time, and then give Ned a kiss. Is he supposed to? Yeah, give Ned a kiss, and then that kind of freaks Ned out, where he's like, uh, "I gotta get going." Um, <laughs> but then Bill Murray added that line with, "I don't know where you're headed, but can you call in sick?" Which is, I mean, it's it's up there with, you know, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, and. You know, it's, I mean, one of the greatest lines in, in cinematic history. <laughs> you know, that maybe. Okay, how about this? I'm going to warm up to this idea. He throws out that line as like as like bait. Like, you know what, yeah. Ned? If you take this, I will have a serious conversation with you and I'll listen to your sales. But if you're not, then whatever. You go along, you know? Yeah. Like, I think it's him testing. In a weird way, he's like testing Ned's, uh, how strong is this friendship? You come up and shake my hand. But do you really want to hang out with me and like we'll actually have a serious conversation? Yeah, if how, I missed you. How sincere is Ned? Are you are you just chatting me up to to sell me stuff, or do you really want to make a connection? And at this yeah. point, Ned's not ready to make that connection. Well, the ad lib line is so much funnier than just him kissing him. The kissing him is almost a cliche. Yeah, you know the ad lib line is so much funnier. <laughs> well, and he's the way he's rubbing his back is just <laughs> yeah. ugh. like I think even. Yeah. I think even like a loved one doing this to me would kind of freak me out, let alone someone I hadn't seen for 20 years. Yeah. Like, yeah, Ned's doing that like little paddle flap on the yeah. back. Like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Do a little, little flat pat. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then, just... <laughs> and then he just turns and runs. But I mean, like, but that line of him pulling him away to say it to him, I miss you so much, pulls him back in, and then, yeah, just like tighter. Yeah. <laughs> just Toblowski. That face just. I mean, uh, I mean, he's just thinking, yeah. He's, now he's I have great. to get out. Now he's like, I gotta get, I gotta get out of this. <laughs> and one, oh, and man. then the look Phil gives. So to answer my own question about is, you know, is he being sincere or is this just a, 
he figures this is a nicer brush off than than just socking him in the face. Like the the look that Phil gives, like, all right, that worked, and I'm free. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and by the way, yes, uh, I did go through the, the earlier minutes. This is definitely the sweet shop. So maybe they actually do have table service where they maybe serve you uh, Sundays or something. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have they have counter if you want to pick up fudge and if you want to order sodas and uh, and and, and uh, yeah. Ice cream, root beer like, float, or banana exactly. split, or whatever. There you go. Um, and, uh, and 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 I just wanted to bring up. I was like, where, "What's where? What is uh? What's this place now? Well, it's a Starbucks." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is this is like a place. Like, I wonder if the storefront's still here." And uh, and I went through the town again, and the little Google Maps. I'm walking through the town, and yeah, I was like, "Starbucks." I'm like, "God, uh-huh. had to be." But as I was told, Sean, I was very excited because on the other side of the of um. Where it says like Angela's or Angelo's, whatever it is, on the other side of the of the street where the hotel mm-hmm. currently is in the movie, that's a that's a that's a, a that's a brunch place that has very good ratings oh, called okay. Double Yoke. And I told Sean, I said maybe that's where we would go. We could go to the Mexican place when we go to the town because that's where, like, that's obviously where the, where the, the tip build, top tip top was in the movie. But clearly, if you want to get try their breakfast menus, uh, the Double Yoke will have have it there. And, right. they, and they have Woodstock Willie, and they have it's like it's like it's so funny that Illinois has embraced their own version of Groundhog. Where <laughs> Woodstock Willie, yeah. they have their own mascot. So it's like, they, and they had a Woodstock Willie Groundhog, and people were taking pictures of him and stuff. So um, another another just a little exciting thing that the town goes, hey, let's take advantage of it and let's actually make some culture out of it. You know, let's let's have our little own thing. Um, and I was very excited to say that that bakery that when we first see. When we first see Ned come up to the sh- come up on the street to talk to Phil, there's a bakery that we always see in the background. There's two people huddled drinking coffee right outside that bakery. Mm-hmm. That's the same name of the bakery then as it is now. I was very I was very very excited to see that it was the same uh, family name. I, I, I which I I didn't write the name down right now, but I looked. You could just see the sign, and I was like, oh, that's the same name. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of made me happy that like, as of at least now in Google Maps, uh, you know. Yeah, same. Nice. Same. Yeah. So, so as he walks away, and it doesn't look like he's does. It's hard to tell. It doesn't look like he's going into the the hotel. Like he's keep. We don't really know where he's walking to when he first does that walk. Yeah, I mean, it kind of it. You know, there's a slow dissolve into the next scene. He definitely doesn't look like he's turning in. He, he you know, he could be going to a piano lesson. He could be going to uh, to anywhere. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think originally. They were planning on having him go to another lesson because we hear the piano in the background, and then they la- they decided to save it as like a reveal later. We're gonna see like, oh, does he get better or not? So there's actually no more rehearsal or practice scenes of Phil at the piano till yeah. the very end. But yeah, so we we really kind of don't know where he's going. But you know, and, he's he's got a lot to do, and only a day to do it. Yeah, and. And yeah, we obviously when we cut to the last few seconds, I don't want to get too much. This is for another day, but I think this part of the town is definitely during one of his joy rides near the near the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. I'm actually I was actually interested in because I feel like I saw this street corner somewhere earlier in the movie when he was either driving around like the, the, how the the sidewalk looks here. It looks like something from on the other side of the town where the bowling alley was. And I was kind of curious like maybe he's going back to the bowling alley. To just see the guys and see how they're doing, kind mm-hmm. of catch up with them. Um, so. uh, Eric, 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 
What other notes you got for me? Uh, I just I wanted to comment on the career arc of Stephen Tobolowski. Please do. This movie uh, is his his whole character is remembering someone from the past, and of course, years later, he would go on to be. Uh, in Memento, mm-hmm. where he was sort of the stand-in for a character who can't remember anything about his past. Yeah, yeah, it's I hadn't quite made. I mean, I knew he was in Memento, but I hadn't made that that connection. I like that. That's the that's the one. Um, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Yeah, yeah. tattoos the, all over his body yes. to remember things. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I forgot he's in there because I remember. I, I remember because everyone everyone screws him over in that movie. Like I think Carrie Moss screws him over. Oh ob- yeah, obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joey Pants screws him over. So, oh, yeah. when you were like, oh, Stephen Tobolowsky screwed him over? Yeah, that's pr- probably probably also part of the course. Um, but, uh, yeah, but he's got, uh, he's got like a million credits at IMDb. He's been oh, on, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, so many different TV shows. Now he's kind of a, a regular on the, the, um, I guess like a, the reboot of the reimagining of One Day at a Time. But he's, yeah, he's, I mean, been in a million different movies. What's that? One Day at a Time? Is that a soap opera or something? It's a, it's a sitcom. Okay. I mean, it was originally yeah, it was a sitcom in like the late seventies, early eighties. Oh, yeah, okay. they brought it back with you know reboot, not not the same people. Okay, right. okay. yeah. I think I mean I haven't seen the new one. The old one that the catch was it you know when I guess when divorce was a little more stigmatized than it is now, but it was a single mother with her two daughters, and they were in an apartment building with you know the the, the sassy. Um, Repair guy or super that was you know fixing pipes and whatnot, and um, I imagine it's something similar these days. Yeah, I haven't seen the new one, but the old one, Valerie Bertinelli was one of the daughters. Um, the, uh, the the repair man's name was Schneider. He was kind of a standout character. Yeah, Schneider. Uh, that's, I, 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 yeah, I never heard of that. Um, yeah, so check it out, Stephen Tobolowski. <laughs> yeah, you know he's, he's a wonderful actor. Uh, Spaceballs, isn't he? Yeah, I think yes. that was his. Is actually he's like one of the, um, I guess like a stormtrooper. Yeah, yeah. I think that was one of his first feature films. He had done some TV stuff, but like his first big, like his big movie breakthrough, is uh, uh, yeah, one of the stormtroopers in Spaceballs. There you go. So something good came out of that movie after all. <laughs> oh, don't rip on Spaceballs. <laughs> no, I don't want to get. I don't want to get Thomas. No, Spaceballs is it. fine. It's fine. Um, all right, so Eric, we want to thank you for uh, joining us this week. Is there anything else you want to say to our listeners? Anywhere you're gonna, any more advice you want to give them? <laughs> uh, sure. If if you find yourself trapped in a time loop like this, just take about three or four Ambien. You'll probably sleep right through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, uh, yeah. Alert, uh, one last time, I want to let you, let our listeners know where they can find you. Sure. Uh, Flash Gordon Minute, you can find it on any anywhere that you download your podcast. Our website is growlermedia.com slash Flash Gordon, uh, G-R-O-W-L-E-R media.com. On Facebook, we've got Flash Gordon Minute Listener's Vortex, as we revealed the other day, named by your own Sean German. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter, we are Flash Gordon Pod. Awesome. Thank you very much. It was a good minutes we had. I, we had we had some fun with these past few days. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, thanks for coming by. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with with Eric and, and these minutes. It was good. And uh, and yeah, listeners, uh, if you want to, if you have any more uh, callbacks, any little notes that you picked out that you want to bother us that we missed, please uh, meet us on the listen the 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 uh, minute listeners group. Or it's our, our the Gobblers Knob as we have it on Facebook. You can uh, add us at Twitter at Groundhog Minute. And you can always email us at groundhogminute at gmail.com. 
So we want to, yeah, we want to thank you all for listening, and we will see you tomorrow if there is one. My father was a podcast mover, so. <laughs> I don't know where you're going, but can you call in sick? <laughs> <laughs>